And then I think also permission to do something different than what you were brought up with and what you see examples of, um, especially for people who work with young folks who have their own small humans that they've created and brought to this world, whatever it is that you want them to grow up seeing, you can be that example for them. Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Ted McLeanler, and yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Madison Clark, welcome to Looks Like Work. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome officially because our listeners might not know or might not remember, but you're actually on a great Looks Like Work episode that never got recorded. Do you want to share what that was and who was to blame? <laughs> It was a really great conversation and we went through all sorts of things to do with burnout with uh, remote work, staying organized, staying on top of things. And then at the end of the conversation, uh, we realized that maybe someone forgot to hit record in the first place, but it was still a wonderful conversation. Other people just didn't get lovely to it. Lovely as always. Yeah. So uh, just to recap, Madison is one of our amazing, amazing team members at Rings and Words. We had a glorious conversation a few months back and someone who happens to be me forgot to even hit record. So sorry about that, but lovely conversation nonetheless. And thank you for coming back, Madison. I'm really excited to be here. I've been listening to all the episodes. I talk to you every day for work anyways, and I'm excited to do this as well. Yeah, I think I'm even more appreciative that people who have to talk to me every day then also go on <laughs> to the podcast that's when you know the podcast is doing something right <laughs> yeah or that you work with me and you know. <laughs> it also helps for the marketing and the social media work of course yeah okay so Madison Clark who are you and what does work look like for you So my answer to that question is really wrapped up in my own work history uh, I've been a Everything from a middle school and high school teacher to an assistant at a flower shop, been doing remote work part-time off and on for seven plus years. My, I have degrees in creative writing, religious studies. I have a master's in conflict transformation and social justice. So it's funny because on the surface, people hear all of that and they think, oh, your work is super disjointed, not <laughs> interconnected whatsoever. Um, but for me, all of my work, I'm very thankful to say, has been really rooted in what I'm passionate about. And a lot of that is communicating with people, building community with people, um, and then also bringing diverse communities together. So I've lived abroad a lot. Um, I've traveled all over the U.S. and all over the globe. Um, so... Work for me is very much about what's aligning with my passions um, that also brings in money because 
late stage capitalism demands that I bring in money. Uh, so <laughs> I'm we very gotta thankful eat. to say that's the case. Exactly. We got to eat. We got to have our cute apartments, all that good stuff. Very cute <laughs> apartments. At least the square that I, that I see on Zoom. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I love this. First of all, I so relate to having, you know, this very diverse and all over the place, seemingly career, but that actually really makes sense to you. Uh, mm-hmm. And another thing that I really relate to is to like take it a little bit, you know, kind of zoom out, zoom in situation. When you tell people that you're a writer, right? Mm-hmm. And you work remotely, community <laughs> and bringing people together is not the first thing that comes to mind, right? Not at all. The first thing people that comes to mind is like, oh, so you must have like a partner that financially supports you because you can't possibly <laughs> make a living writing from your house. And then the, the second thing, you must be an introvert and hate people. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. The assumptions that are there are so opposite of me <laughs> and everything so that I say. Walk for. us walk us through this. The internal life of Madison Clark. <laughs> That's a good um, book uh, title, by I, the way. I could I could go with that. <laughs> it's funny because I think especially, so I'm from Missouri originally, um, Midwest US, and that's where I am now. Uh, When I graduated high school um, and left here for college, I knew I would never live here ever again. Because I just did not- You didn't assume. I knew, I knew 100%, it was was never gonna happen. I'm very close with my family. I would come back annually to see them and talk to my parents nearly every day, Um, but I knew I would not live here again. And then COVID said, oh, hello. Welcome back to Missouri. <laughs> um, so it's funny because now who I am now, I'm able to kind of embrace this as an opportunity to slow down and be the kind of the person that I needed to see examples of when I was younger, because I didn't see I people who were traveling. I didn't see anybody who like left, like in my graduating class of 600 people in high school, um, I think I could probably list right now the handful of people who left the Midwest for college. And oh, most wow. of them, it was because of full college scholarships for athletics. So like, I just never got to see an example of someone doing something other than nine to five, have a couple kids stay in Missouri. Which Meanwhile, you didn't want. just leave. You left to Indonesia <laughs> and yeah. Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, amongst other places. Yeah, I took the leaving pretty seriously. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's how far can I take it? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I know I have lots of people here that I am still very close with, and that was the path they took to stay, and they're very happy, and I love that for them. But I never got to see an example of what I actually wanted. So I went to college in Pennsylvania, and then I was a teacher in Massachusetts, and then I moved to Jakarta, Indonesia, and then I moved to Belfast, Northern Ireland. In the middle of all that, I've been to almost all 50 states and more than 35 countries. So I really took you've the, been to do all something 50 different states? very far. Almost. I'm so close. I'm really I feel so like close. that is almost even more impressive than all the other continents and countries because like I don't think I know people, Americans, right? US citizens mm-hmm. who actually have been to, I don't know, even 40 of the states. Um, yeah, we've done some amazing road trips. My mom and I have gone on oh, some incredible road trips around. Yeah, I think I've been to California, uh, New mm. York, where I kind of partially grew up, um, DC, mm. New Jersey. Which technically, isn't a state, but I don't. Wanna... Yeah, right. Oh, sorry, it's a DC. Place. I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> New Jersey, which is like is technically mm. a state, but 
kind of exactly. feels like New York. Um, just to even things out. Uh, sorry, New Jersey. Um, I think I think that's it. <laughs> Honestly, Canada, yeah, but just, only, Canada, but only for the Niagara Falls. Gotcha. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Our culture is just not really. There's not an emphasis on traveling the U.S. There's an emphasis on you either kind of stay in your state forever or you like go abroad in order to travel. <laughs> like we don't really think about. It's all also the really, cool really massive. Ginormous. Yeah. But like just compared to Europe where people kind of constantly travel. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So uh, yeah, wildly uh, diverted, but very interesting. <laughs> um, so just to close the loop, what is it that you do now? Yeah, so I am a full-time freelance writer, which is amazing to say. Um, And I also do college application coaching for high school seniors, which honestly is purely for fun. Um, I miss having my students and I love being able to support them and telling their story in a way that feels authentic. So that's just kind of a fun additional job that I have on the side. Um, But yeah, I work uh, primarily with different startups um, and do everything from blogs to social media um, to strategy, to consulting, you you name it. I've got it somehow covered in the world of communications and startups. <laughs> and she does it very, very well, you guys. I, I can attest to that. Uh, and I just saw, by the way, that you uh, uh, contributed again to Heatha Palapu's Five Smart Reads. Yes, I love uh, all of the work that Heatha does is so incredible. And that's actually, it's funny because technically, it was Heatha who connected me all the way to you in Rooms and Words, but through some other kind of disjointed paths along yeah. the way. So. <laughs> it's amazing, like serendipity, like through through mm-hmm. continents and states and w- whatnot in, in between. <laughs> yes, yeah. and all in the middle of a pandemic, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, which I think make, made it easier in a way because it's like we're so used now to being connected this way, even though I have to say mm-hmm. for me. And I think that's why I really, really connect to what you said about communities and bringing people together, even while working, you know, <laughs> from the computer, <laughs> from wherever you are in the world, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the Midwest, the Middle East, mid whatever. So for me, especially growing up like in a community that was very similar and similarity was very much celebrated, the internet, I always looked at it not so much as technology but more kind of as a window or a door to connect to other like-minded people who who knew that they even existed somewhere in the world. And I still remember like back to like 2008, 2009 on Mm -hmm. Twitter, when Twitter, it was still a fun place, at least for me, kind of chatting with other design aficionados on Twitter at any, any weird hour of the day. And there were people from London and Serbia and, of course, the States and, like, all over, Denmark, Norway, all over. And we just all shared stuff that we cared about, but we didn't mm-hmm. share any any other characteristic. And I think that is so powerful, and that's what, like, makes me always so optimistic and maybe maybe to a naive degree even even when the world sucks, this is what really makes me kind of hopeful for, for the future yeah. of humanity, or at least for the for, for the close future. Not to just I think too, like the way that we've evolved to use the internet for communication is amazing. Like 2008, 2009, um, in 2007, my brother 
got me on to Facebook. My older brother got me on Facebook. Um, and that was before you're supposed to be a certain age before you could get on. Yeah. Like, and the age was like 18 or something. Um, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. And then now I have WhatsApp and I'm chatting with friends in Belfast, Jakarta, Australia, pretty much on a daily basis. And then I just hop over to Instagram and I see all these people and I have to TikTok. And I think the evolution of social media is something that a lot of people, I get it. It's not always the healthiest place. <laughs> it can be used for a whole lot of bad things. Um, but it, it really is used for a whole lot of bad it things. Yes, but true, it, it could also be used for a whole <laughs> lot of great things. Yeah, people just want to be connected. And they are able to do that across boundaries that used to keep people from knowing that anyone like them existed. And now I can see 45 other people doing what I dreamed about doing as a kid. Um, and they're able to look to social media as these examples of, options apart from, like you said, apart from the normalcy that might be celebrated, you're able to actually go beyond that and see other opportunities that are out there. Yeah, you can definitely grow up in Missouri or in B'nai Barak where I am and just have access to so much more. It always brings mm-hmm. to my mind like this very, very old ad from Nokia. Remember that? The connecting people, <laughs> the hands? Yes, yes. Yeah, and of course, <laughs> Madly gesticulating in show <laughs> video. Um, as per usual. So Madison, as you alluded to, we work together for a bunch of the time and we do talk almost every day. And then mm-hmm. for you, you also listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> and a lot of the things we're working together have to do with this podcast and just our strategy mm-hmm. and, and rooms and words. And of course, that brings us to always kind of chatting uh and just like exchanges and exchanging ideas language what is language anyway about (laughs) what used to be called the future of work but is pretty much just work yeah right any thoughts about that thing (laughs) called work yeah I think COVID for all of the terrible things that it has brought and continues to bring I think it forced a shift in work that I don't think we would have seen otherwise for years to come. So the adoption of a lot of hybrid workforces, if not fully remote, although then you have people like Elon Musk who are saying, no, you must all come back. And then promptly afterwards says, stop hiring. We're laying off next week. So you are you know, lazy. You the whole You're not working <laughs> yeah. enough. Actually, yeah. we don't want you to work for us. Bye. Yeah. yeah, you've got the whole the whole spectrum of things that are happening there. But I think just this massive shift from you go to an office nine to five is like, quote unquote, normal work, which the old way completely discounted anybody who worked on any other type of shift or non office work, um, and just kind of left them out. And now it's changed to where we've recognized like for a period, whether it logistically changed how we deal with this or not. Um, For a period, you were hearing about essential employees and you were like actually giving credit to the people who keep our day-to-day life running, but who are so often just singing mm -hmm, for them mm -hmm, and actually celebrated. And that was something that hasn't ever really happened. And did that drastically change what we're doing right this moment? No, but was it still a cultural shift that we had never seen before? Yes. So I think a lot of the current work changes and the quote unquote future of work, but also we're kind of already in it. I think there's a lot of 
good that has started, that now we just need to really press forward and make sure stays and expands and becomes more accessible and more inclusive too. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think some of the shifts are, yes, of course, we all talk about working remotely, working hybrid, not working remotely, cue your Elon Musk commentary, which is absolutely true. But I also think, you know, we used to look at even employment as something Mm -hmm. that was very black and white, right? So you're either employed at a corporate or small business or whatever, or you're a freelancer or you're like an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But there are so many different styles and ways to work and collaborate and to be a team that I don't think we could ever have imagined before. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were more, um, there were hundreds of thousands of new businesses started all over the world during 2020 and 2021. And it was kind of, you had that knee jerk reaction of, Oh no, the pandemic's here. What do we do? And then people in response to that said, I'm going to go do this on my own. or I'm going to team up with a friend and do this. And I think with that, what's really coming out of it now is we're seeing that that has more validity. When you say I'm an entrepreneur, when you say I'm a freelancer, it actually is given, there's still the stereotypes like we talked about earlier, (laughs) but it's given more weight and it's recognized as like actual work that needs to be done and is important. Uh, but is not office and is not manual labor and is just and a different sector. Also, is a freelancer or is an entrepreneur, is it just one thing? Because for mm-hmm. us at Rams and Words, right, we're all made of like part-time and freelance people, mm-hmm. uh, but we're also a team and yeah. we also work together and we co- co- uh, collaborate and we have a real sense of camaraderie. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is one style, which we can, maybe I think it could be interesting for people to hear more about, but it's it's I'm I'm sure it's one of many. So I think even being a freelancer or entrepreneur or employed at a corporate, each of those things used to mean one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you always had the people like kind of the outliers on the edges who tried to make it work for them and kind of tailor it for their lives. But basically, if you're a freelancer, then you maybe put your profile on a marketplace, right? And you work mm-hmm. with clients and you are your own thing and they are your clients. And if you're mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, then you have to be, have a business plan and it has to be this and that way. And it has to be your entire dream, etc. Maybe you have a side hustle. And then if you're in corporate, you're in corporate. So any thoughts about those different ways to collaborate that kind of have emerged in the last two or so years? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I've been in freelance spaces um, while also working full time teaching jobs for the most part for six, seven, eight years. And throughout all of that, I referred to people as clients that I was working with, or I referred to them by name if it was just a one person small business. And now when I say clients, I think about our clients that we work with at Rooms and Words, as opposed to, I mean, Rooms and words, you are technically my client because I'm a freelancer, but because oh, of our culture, that's not how I think about it. Because <laughs> I think we've built like we have such an amazing team and everyone's on the same page. And I'm definitely not upset about the fact that everyone are these badass women that we have on our team. Um, and then for all my other clients, like I have great people that I work with, but it's very much a more traditional contractor, freelancer, you email back and forth, you're on the occasional video call, like that kind of relationship. 
has its value, but I don't miss that type of camaraderie because I get it with rooms and words. And I think that's a testament to the priorities of the agency. And I think people, if they want to adjust their priorities to make that happen for their own freelancers, they can, they just have to choose to put in the work. Yeah. I think also from my side as the agency owner, as the entrepreneur for this thing, it gives you such freedom because Mm -hmm. I remember having a startup with not like a lot of funding because $800,000 is a lot of money, but not a lot of funding in order to get to the business that we wanted. It's so much stress and it would literally keep me up at night, like the salaries and just the, the, the responsibility. It's like people's livelihoods. It's, it's a real, it's real shit. It's like, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it weighs mm-hmm. on you and you have to be responsible. And if you're not, then maybe you sleep better at night, but I don't want to be you because you're not a very nice person. Mm-hmm. And then starting rooms and words or restarting, you know, starting this situation in rooms and words, because we did have uh, rooms and words like 1.0 of like 2010 mm-hmm. or nine. It's like, I really miss that sense of a team, that sense of camaraderie, mm-hmm. that brainstorming. And also, by the way, value-wise, bringing that value that it's not just one person, whether it's the availability, but also just the kind of variety and diversity of experiences, of expertise, right, to our clients. And it's it gives you so much freedom when you can work with those amazing people, right? Mm-hmm. It happen to all be women, which is a plus about people. Uh, and you can work with all these people. You could bring that value to their clients. You could have that sense of like not being alone, which I think, especially in our day and age, working remotely is so important, right? Having that like kind of togetherness. I don't know about you, but for me, it's it's huge. And then it still allows you so much flexibility. And our team members kind of travel all over the place. I, I was just in yeah. New York, not because I needed to be there, just because I could. And I would have never thought about it if I didn't see like Naja going from uh, Canada to France to London, you know, um, really going to Mallorca, um, I get so much inspiration from all of you. Uh, so I feel like that flexibility um, is such an added value that I don't think we allowed ourselves at work up to not so long ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also with everything opening up, still continuing to kind of come back from COVID with everything closed down. Um, everyone's really excited to be going places. But I think the biggest takeaway for me in terms of being able to travel while being fully remote is that I don't have to stress about work at all when I'm traveling. So like right now I'm considering almost definitely (laughs) we'll be going to DC later this summer for a softball tournament. Um, When everyone else is having to finagle all of these work schedules and swapping shifts months in advance and all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, I'll take my laptop. <laughs> like I'll give you guys a heads up that I'll be online at different times. And other than that, like that's all I have to do. So it's such a privilege and it's such a something I'm so grateful for. But I think too, like even the startup world can definitely rethink things further as well. Like they're they're seen as very cutting edge and front of the line for what's next, which is true. But the diversity of the types of workplace and the way they're building teams can always be thought in different thought of in different ways and outside of new boxes and I think um 
they can be much more mobile and accommodating than they currently are. So oh, I do think sure. there's there's lessons to be taken from what we're doing. Just patting you on the back Learn there. from us, but, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, this is a time where so much is changing that if you're not taking advantage of doing things better in all this transition, then you're really missing out on a great opportunity and your employees are as well. I'm laughing not because of what he said, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I was just like checking to see if this is recording. <laughs> and it is. It is. <laughs> That's when you know the conversation is going well. You're like, oh no, did I did I do it again? <laughs> I was like, oh, let's just check that this is recording. Did I do it again? No, we're recording. We're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> But to your point, first of all, I completely agree. And I think also those like more flexible and diverse types of work, hopefully they will also allow startups, of course, other other companies as well, but we're looking at few startups who are supposed to be cutting edge to also um, have more types of people have access to working at them and to participating Mm -hmm in their success and how your salaries and all that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's, we're getting a little bit better about like education boundaries that are keeping people from accessing these jobs too. I mean, I'm someone, like I said, with a master's degree. So like I have automatically this like hiring power just because of that piece of paper that millions of other people don't have access to because oh that that's okay you balanced out my my no higher education (laughs) (laughs) we're on the same page (laughs) but I think there's still just enough kind of boundary with that that it's a little bit gatekeeping still that it doesn't need to be I mean my um (laughs) my dad always told me growing up like don't let college or don't let school interfere with your education. Um, oh, and he, I love that. Uh, <laughs> I do too. And it's one of my favorite pieces of advice because it's something like we go to school, we go to work, we think there's certain things we're supposed to learn. And it's just kind of a reminder that you can learn new things from people that you never expected to even be learning from or to be working with and just kind of being open to that. Because if you don't have it in mind, then you're really not going to embrace those opportunities either. And again, I yeah. think a lot of people in power with companies need to keep that in mind need to have better communication loops and obviously we're spoiled because we are a small agency we're all on slack we have direct access to you pretty much all the time um i don't know i don't know if that's a good thing for you or not but yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's not a good thing for you because you need to log off earlier and go to bed (laughs) yeah i'm very lucky to be uh keeping shabbat so i have like 25 hours of disconnecting um, that are, you know, they're up to me because I choose to do so. But like after that choice, they're not up to me. And it's good that that, that, that's the case because otherwise I would go nuts probably. I mean, Um, you're the reason that I take weekends completely off from all my clients because I was on. Oh, you do from all your clients? I love that. Mm -hmm. I take weekends properly off now. And literally because of you, because I would log time in my timesheet and you'd come in on Sunday, I'd be like, Madison, why are you online on Saturday? Yeah, there like, was a point. I remember like kind of <laughs> saying, sending you shouty Slack messages, like just mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. off the internet. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, it's a boundary that I think I always wanted to have, but now like having someone that I work for saying outright, like, no, stop it. Like that's your time. Get out of here. And then, yeah, I've applied it to everybody else, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, we st- you you kind of mentioned that a lot of the 
um, our conversation that was never recorded was about burnout. And a lot of this podcast stuff, like our, our previous episodes were also on burnout as, and as someone who's not very good with boundaries, that's me, uh, by the way. Um, and is very hyper-connected and mm-hmm. is very excited about what I do. It's like, it all comes from a good place, right? Of like, it's it's great that you're as excited as you are about what you do and that you have the sense of ownership and responsibility and all of that that makes you want to be logged on. But then I, I know how it is when when you can even get burnt out without even noticing it. And then mm-hmm. it takes so much and energy and time and and self-work to get back to a good place. And I don't want that for you or for any of our team members, mm-hmm. uh, both because I care about you all and also because I'm selfish and I, I don't think that's good for business, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've learned a lot. I know I grew up <laughs> playing year-round competitive sports on travel teams and it was all amazing and wonderful. Um, and I had so much support from my parents and my brother, like to do all of these things. And he was doing the same stuff, but Uh, because of all of that, I definitely came into adulthood, went into college thinking, oh, wow. So if every moment of my day isn't scheduled and doing something for other people, it's not productive. It's not good. So I've always done things that I'm very passionate about, but taken on too much with those things that I'm very passionate about and kind of sacrificed myself in the process. I love this point. Like, I don't love it, but I, 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 Cause, but but I really, really relate to it. I feel like so much of us in Western culture have grown up feeling that our time isn't ours, that we're kind of leasing it from someone or something else. And hence, mm-hmm. if any minute or for sure any day at least is not productive and efficient and kind of productive, not in the sense of checking things off, off the list, but in producing something of value but not a value in general but value like fiscal value Mm -hmm. or you know then we have done something wrong to someone not only did we not produce we actually I don't maybe it's me but I stole that day from someone no it's, Mm -hmm. it's my time and maybe if I'm working too much and burning myself out maybe I'm stealing that time from my joy or my rest you know Mm-hmm. And I think, or like, oh, I've worked hard today. I deserve to rest. I deserve to go to bed early or take yeah, a nap or something. It's, it's like, so no, transactional. <laughs> it's so transactional. Yeah, you, you deserve mm-hmm. that just because you were born and you're here. Yeah, and it's part exactly. of being a person in this world, right? Uh, but I, I completely mm-hmm. relate. I think that's such a mind shift. And I don't know, have we spoken about, we for sure have spoken about the book burnout. Um, Mm -hmm. And even if we didn't, you say, listen to the podcast. So you've heard me ramble about it uh, (laughs) many, many times. Uh, But one thing there was so eye-opening to me, and that was the concept of the human being versus the human giver. Have you you heard about Mm -hmm. that? Yes. Yeah. 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 So basically... Uh, what the Nagoski sisters, the authors, uh, Emily and Amelia Nagoski 
Kisei there, and they quote like lots of research. And I love how well researched that book is, uh, even though it's like very accessible and very fun to read. Um, they say that a lot, many, many of the humans on this planet have been raised and educated to that they're not they can't just be there mm-hmm. if they're just human beings it's not enough that they need mm-hmm. to give and give and give and while i am all for giving and um i think giving is amazing and i think my entire philosophy is pretty much about about that you need to understand that you're it's cool if you're just being and and that's mm-hmm. i think something that is so hard for especially high achievers and I don't know, elder sisters, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> to, I mean, to come to terms with that. We're socialized that the only time you get to, at least in American culture, the only time you get to be, just be, is after you've dedicated your entire life to one job, you're finally retired. Now you can just hang out. But even as a part of that, the expectation is you've had children. Now your children are having children. So you're still giving yourself as a grandparent. You um, in some cultures, you're being financially supported by your children, but you're still expected to like give that kind of like free babysitting or like that sort of thing. So even then, like the one time in life that the U.S. says, OK, you can just be when you're this age and you've accomplished yeah. these particular tasks. It's still like, nope, now you need to support that next generation. coming. <laughs> and there's just like we, we genuinely can't just give people the ability to be themselves, be whatever rest, take whatever rest they're needing. And then you have to earn that. You have Mm -hmm. to earn the right Mm -hmm. to speaking about the U S you have to earn the right for healthcare. You have to earn the right to rest. You have, you know, um, and I think that's, that's at the root of a lot of the burnout that a lot of people are feeling. Yeah. And I think unrecognized work is something as well and unpaid work as well. Like my mom was the one (laughs) carting us around to everything. And then also being a room parent and doing all of these things our entire lives. Um, And my dad was the sole breadwinner from the family because she was able to stop teaching when she had my brother and was able to be a stay at home mom. That, that labor was never paid. That labor was never socially recognized, but can you burn out from that? Absolutely. Is she now getting to Yeah. She gets to hang out. My dad goes and plays with his plays with (laughs) my dad goes and works on his old cars (laughs) that he has. He goes to these fun events that he really enjoys. And my mom enjoys getting to sit on the back porch and watch all of these crazy hummingbirds that they have. Like she gets to just sit and be. And even though she was never the breadwinner in the family, she was still the one making sure the family ran (laughs) and functioned. I actually don't recognize that. To your point, I think unrecognized work at least to me, it feels like it it causes even more burnout because the mm-hmm. recognition is such a powerful fuel of like self-value, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it sucks that we need to feel that we earn all of those stuff, but at least we feel that we earn it. We feel like we get that recognition. Mm-hmm. We get that positive reinforcement for society from society that we've done something valuable and now we deserve mm-hmm. that recognition slash money payment is also recognition right yeah no by the way no matter you know I I remember earning my first check and I remember this sense of like validation right not even Mm. just the happiness happiness of like bringing in the money but as 
someone who grew up in a family where women didn't work outside of the house was like it, it was proof it was hey i i made it no matter how you know how meager that <laughs> that yeah. first check was and by the way same thing for after like not after covid very much during covid but after the first lockdown when i started rooms and words or restarted it after having to shut down my startup and you know basically paying for my own pocket uh, for stuff for my startup the first 200 bucks it was oh my god like I I can sleep at night it's not like those mm-hmm. like 200 bucks are gonna you know pay for my bills and like, like they will pay partially but it's not like it was like you know a get you know <laughs> out of everything card yeah. but it was like oh I still it's like my body still remembers, you know, my, my, my psyche still remembers, like I can still do something like provide a service and produce money in exchange to that. Mm-hmm. And I think in our society, it was such a relief, not only mm-hmm. to pay for groceries, but to actually remember that I, I have that function. And now mm-hmm. going back to thinking about unrecognized work, which by the way, so many women who had equal or closer to equal, you know, labor in the in the in the household before the pandemic, the pandemic like sh- shot them like hundreds of years mm-hmm. back, quite figuratively, yeah. but feels like quite literally because maybe their partner was uh, an essential essential labor, considered essential labor, or maybe their kids, for sure, probably their kids were were not in school or had or had school, but it was on Zoom and it actually required so much more work. And I remember all those like thoughts of like, hey, that is not how like, you know, I've been married for 15 years when the pandemic started. This is now how not how we built the things here. Um my musings on that are still on my Instagram highlights. Uh it's it's definitely, I feel like it's much more burnout than even very, very hard manual labor in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm an incredibly independent person, which I'm sure is shocking, uh, shocking. to anyone who's just even heard this little snippet of like stuff that I've been up to over the last 10 years. <laughs> um, but a part of that has been being very financially independent where I've always been, and I'm very thankful to say that I've always had jobs that I enjoyed. I've never had to take a job just to afford to keep a roof over my head. Um, a lot of that stems from the fact that my mom was able to give me personal finance education as a kid growing up that and then also not, everywhere yeah, that is not that's not for common everyone. It's yeah amazing. and especially yeah. especially for women because still the expectation is you get to a certain age and then you're looking for a marriage you're looking for a male spouse that is going to financially support you and again if that's what you want okay that's not what I want and <laughs> that's not what I've ever wanted so and having also, that financial even if you don't huge. you still don't mm-hmm. have like you could like for me like I wanted a partner but not for the <laughs> <laughs> not for the money um but then it's still like i had that upbringing of it's not okay to talk about money and then you just mm-hmm. don't have this, that skill mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. go out to the world with the same independence and the same you know ambitions but just you don't have the 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 kind of core work that could help help you hold that up right yeah and the way that gender role supports that as well where it's you're a woman, you're supposed to be submissive, you're supposed to be meek, which means negotiating a salary, 
not anything you've ever been taught because that feels like conflict and we're supposed to smooth over conflict and help other people avoid it. So there's just so many layers with it that, again, I think coming back to where we kind of started with like having those examples to be able to say, like, I will talk about money with my friends all the time. And I'm like super transparent, everything money, because a lot of people aren't. And I think it's an important topic for us to talk about more. So if I can even be that example for one person of, hey, let's chat about this. Like, oh, here's how my car loan works. Like, we're not taught any of those things. And then it comes back to what your work is. And if you're being underpaid, if you're being undervalued, if you're not being paid at all, it's all so interconnected. I would say that I'm still a little bit squirmish, uh, especially with like those specific things that you don't do every day or every week or every month, like taking care mm-hmm. of your pension fund, stuff like that. And it's still like, uh, like, do I not understand it because I'm dumb? Do I not understand it because I don't have the background? Is it okay if I say I don't understand? Maybe I'm actually really clearly understanding that it's confusing on purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. So can I, I say this, uh, but then I will do a lot of work to bring it up with my friends and even team when that's appropriate, because I think it's so important. Uh, and I will say that's not just about money, but it's about conflict, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. negotiation, so many different things that, you know, by the way, you could have negotiations about things that are not money. Um mm-hmm reading the book Radical Candor a few years ago was a big game changer for me. Um, as someone who was like really raised to be very polite. Um, and I, I still hope that I'm polite most of the times, but I just understood like where, like what's politeness and manners and what is just having the information and being truthful and honest and also giving the other side a chance to say their piece and to have just an eye level conversation so you can get somewhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, communication comes into it. <laughs> So much. <laughs> and yep. we're we're obviously communication professionals because all we do is help people tell their stories. Like that's what it boils down to. <laughs> like no true. matter what the task is, that's what we're up to. So even doing that, like I in my relationship, I'm pretty sure half the time my partner thinks I'm utterly just ridiculous because I just love talking about money. And so I'll just be like, be like, oh my gosh, like with this new job, are you feeling better about X financial thing that we've talked about? And I'll bring it up just randomly sitting and having dinner. And I think. It's not a precious topic that needs to be reserved for certain spaces only. But even that, like I learned from other people, I was not, again, culturally not brought up with that whatsoever. So I learned a lot. I know from uh, Nicole Antoinette, who has uh, is a wonderful podcaster, and then I'm a part of her Patreon community. Only Patreon I'm a part of. Highly, highly recommend. Oh yeah. Um, but she publishes uh, every month. Publishes all of her financials as a full time freelancer working entirely for herself. That is great. Um, and I it's ab- it's public and completely transparent. And it's just such, such a lesson. And we don't have to be super particular and precious in personal relationships or professional. Like it's okay to talk about these things and to have conversations so that, especially as women, we get to practice. <laughs> yeah. And shout out also to those columns that I think you told me about, or we just like fangirled oh about goodness. together. I love them so where, much. Where are they? Remind, remind <laughs> me and say something uh, about them. Yeah, on Refinery29, they have money diaries um, that are published, I'm pretty sure, every weekday. Uh, and it's from um, women and non-binary people who, I, I read the US ones religiously, but a lot of other countries have them as well. Um, and it's a walkthrough to start off every single article is, 
what's your current net worth? What's your current debt? What's your income? What are your monthly expenses? And it's all anonymous. You just put something about your position and something about where you live. But then the rest is walking through a week in your life and everything you spend money on. So like, that's, that's how I found out about the fact that you can even get an HSA in the US as a freelancer. I had no idea that was even an option. And then just last week, I made my first ever contribution to a health savings account, which I learned from there and then was able to learn more about elsewhere. Like, you don't know these things. We're not taught these things. Like, I just can't help but throw my hands up in the air and be like, we need to talk about everything more. (laughs) We we differ from each other in that I have much less patience. So I only read Mm -hmm. the top part of those columns, (laughs) but I still love them. And you actually read them through. The Um, whole thing. Yeah. Gold star reader, uh, but I, I really love them. I think it's so, so important. So I feel like, um, I don't know if by design or not, probably not, but I feel like in the first part of this season of Looks Like Work, we were speaking so much about burnout. Mm-hmm. And then the last few episodes were very much, again, unintentionally felt like the permission slip uh, podcast mm-hmm. of like permission to start from scratch, permission to have ease and joy in your career, permission to speak the way you are and, and so so on and, and so forth. I highly recommend that you go back to those episodes, not because of me, but because of our amazing guests. So maybe this one, or at least the second part of our episode today is permission to speak about money. What do you think, Madison? Yeah, I think I'm going to cheat and make it be two permission slips because I can't possibly follow basic directions. Go for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think two for the price of one today only. <laughs> permission like to like just be fearless in learning about money and speaking about it. So kind of a combination of the two. And then I think also permission to do something different than what you were brought up with and what you see examples of, um, especially for people who work with young folks who have their own small humans that they've created and brought to this world, whatever it is that you want them to grow up seeing, you can be that example for them. And if that's not something that you actually are wanting, then find examples. So just I'm going to cheat a little bit, like I said, those two permissions. I, but I, think I will both, they allow go it. In, yeah. I will allow thank it. <laughs> and going back to, I don't know if anyone here uh, listened to my episode with uh, Elisheva Manakian, who I love from Loop Living. Uh, and we spoke about also being women. She's still in the design world. I was in the design world for a while. So like very also kind of uh, traditionally feminine space. Traditionally, you should be happy for doing, you know, what you're passionate about and shouldn't like think or talk or demand money. And we both kind of went dorky together about our massive spreadsheets showing us like what we earned, our financial forecasts. And you just reminded me of this, Madison, when you mentioned our tiny human. So my tiny human is actually not that tiny. He towers well over me and he likes to remind me of that because he's a teenager but he will very often walk you know next to me we'll have lunch together and stuff and we'll just like look at my at my computer screen and the first thing he'll see is this massive google spreadsheet with all our expenses uh at rooms and words all our income so far in the month and projected towards the end of the month all the hours we've worked and I will sometimes make a point of like, you know, not make a lesson out of it, but just like, Hey, like 
if you want to learn more about that or what do you think or just share an anecdote and kind of help him make friends with those like funny figures in those funny squares. Yeah, I think that was something I focused on a lot as a teacher because I'm not a parent and I have no plans to become a parent at all. Um, but with my students, I found myself just talking about things that were normal for me and just sharing them during class and between class. So then number one, you're creating the space where your son, your student, whoever it might be, feels comfortable coming to you to ask questions about those things. And those topics also become less scary because if nobody talks about it, it's going to be super scary. They're going to need their own iterations of permission slips 20 years into the future. And it's kind of up to us to help break some of those cycles and open those communication channels and kind of help ease that next generation um, in a positive direction and different from the one that we found ourselves kind of being forced into. Here, here. Madison, thank <laughs> you so much for joining me, not only behind the scenes, but in front of the microphone. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. It's nice to these are the kinds of things we usually just chat about anyways. <laughs> so it's nice that folks this and annoyed, gifts but... and TikToks, but not oh, anything so about TikToks. Hugh Grant. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, my movie education is still very minimal. I apologize. <laughs> that is a topic for another episode, Madison. But it will it will happen at some point. We will shame you publicly for your lack of knowledge of '90s rom coms. That is coming. I if it's Disney movies, I've got you covered. If you guys could see the look she was giving me right now, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Okay, thank you so much, Madison, for joining me. And thank you for working with me every day. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. And not just because you're sitting here right now with me, but thank you for creating such a positive team environment and really empowering all of us. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an end.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week, and I share thoughts, links, books and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week, and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com, and I really hope to see you there, and of course to see you here next week. Have a good one!